Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio, show 273, recorded at Big Dog Studios in Eugene, Oregon. Today's show is brought to you by Mud Paw Design House. At Mud Paw Design House, we know that too often business owners get in their own way of making a website. We make it easy to get a website for your business. Visit us at mudpawdesign.com. Now here are your hosts. I'm Candace Hunter. I'm Patrick Hunter. And, and welcome, welcome to, to Real Herbalism, Herbalism Radio. Radio. We're back. We're back We're after back. summer hiatus. It just seems like it's over already, and I, I, I don't want it to be over already. <laughs> it always, I walk into it thinking it's going to be this long, luxurious vacation, and look at this list of projects I can tackle, and then I end up really either tackling nothing until the last two weeks, and then I'm in a frenzy trying to get something done, or I try to tackle them all at the beginning, and in the last week I think, ah, I didn't take a vacation. <laughs> Right. And, and there's so many maintenance things and stuff that we, you know, don't seem to get to. And then we have hiatus, we're like, oh, we can take the time off. But then we're like, oh, wait, we have newsletters fixed. We've got this thing to do. We've got yeah. that thing to do. We've got all this stuff that's all herbalism radio stuff. So it's not like, um, you know, a comedian or somebody else that takes their hiatus on their podcast and they just go somewhere and do something or go on tour, I guess, or whatever. Maybe, well, I guess going on tours work. But, they have a staff. You know, I want a staff. Yeah. We want a staff. <laughs> I want a staff. Um, so anyway, so we're back, and uh, it's still uh, it's still summer in the uh, the Great Pacific Northwest, and we've had quite the summer. Yes, it has been a strange garden year. Here. I mean, just I mean, everyone here that's listening has been up on current events. the the um, The Pacific Northwest, well, Portland, Eugene area, we had record heat in June, like the hottest it's ever been, mm-hmm. ever in June recorded. I mean, okay, it could have been hotter back, you know. Thousand, two thousand years ago, but we didn't know about it. But for the last 180 years, where they've been tracking weather, that was the hottest. It was 111, 110 here in Eugene, and we had a lot of people that we knew that their gardens really they got burned, they got they got crisped up, and it yeah. was it was a thing, you know. So, yeah, gardening has been kind of strange and challenging this year. Yeah, huh? every seed that I planted, not a single seed that I planted actually like grew. I've got. Not everyone, because I think there's like three or four eggplants and one melon plant that have grown. But slowly. But they look very stunted, and I will be absolutely floored if they manage to produce anything, even a flower, before the end of season. They're all much too small. Well, the one melon plant is actually working now. I mean, I can see it. It's coming in. But it just seemed like it was like sputtering and sputtering You do realize that one melon plant, which is right now measuring maybe... 12 inches across the whole of it, all three vines that have come up on it, should actually be more like six feet right now. Each vine should be oh, six feet. Why do you know that? It, it should be a much larger plant than it is. <laughs> Everything is just growing ridiculously slow that I've planted. On the other hand, I have a garden friend who's about two miles from our house, if that, and his seeds have gone just nuts. They, they, Everything has sprouted and it's producing. It started growing. He started squashes really early in the season for our area. Tomatoes have been early. Everything's early for him. Mm -hmm. And it's growing strong and healthy gangbusters. On the other hand, his perennial plants didn't enjoy that heat. And he had a lot of things like on some of his roses, the heat, the like the heat weekend that we had, Mm -hmm. he had dehydrated roses. Like they dehydrated on the plant, despite the fact that he had been watering them. I mean, he's watering. He's he's way better gardener than I am. He's meticulous <laughs> about watering. 
He does it every day. And that was right in the middle of hay fever season. So I wasn't getting out very well. And the plants were getting the water that you gave them in the evening. Yeah, I, I water them nightly or, or every other night. Yeah, and the rules say you're not supposed to water them after dark. If you're going to water in the evening, it should be in the last two hours before dusk. And then in the mornings, it's okay because you don't want water left on the leaves. And if there's water on the leaves before sunshine, there's all these rules about <laughs> when to water. And the they're, they all have a lot of good reasoning. I mean, you know, like if you water at night, you're more likely to encourage molds and mildews. And if you water in the morning, like mid, late morning, midday, then you're more likely to get sunburned because the water will magnify the sun's rays and cause problems for your plants. And there's like a whole bunch of rules. There's a lot of good reasons for them. We totally broke the rules because you water every night at dusk or after dark, <laughs> you know. Well, but you know, I don't, I don't necessarily water um, all the leaves. I try to water the, the soil and the roots. Yeah, so. but I've noticed that with the big, I mean, with the, the watering wand thing that you've got, that thing's terrific, but definitely to reach, you know, further away, you end up raising it higher and the plants get wet, but they're fine. I mean, we're not having problems. They're happy and they're healthy. And I've been shocked at how well our perennials did. They acted as if there had been no heat, which right. really surprised me. Yeah, we didn't have any of the telltale signs. And if it would have been last year, we had a hit or miss. Uh, watering, we probably have nothing left. Right, right, <laughs> right. But you know, my garden buddy, he's watering every day too, and yet his perennials were so unhappy. But his seeds have been doing great. Yeah, it has been a, a it's weird been year. A strange year. Um, you know, we've we've. I think this is the year where people are maybe people are finally going. Yeah, there might be this this climate thing might be real. Yeah, you know, I think that that most of us can agree that our environment is changing. The weather is changing which means the climate is changing. Mm -hmm. The place where it starts to get into people saying it doesn't exist and all of that is when you start looking at the politics. The why is it and what should we do about oh, it and yeah. can we do anything about it and yeah. all of that. That's where you get into the weirdness and the debate. But the reality is, you know, many areas have way more heat than they should or way less heat than they should. Other areas shouldn't be having rain and they're flooding. Some areas where rain should be, you know, profuse is really drought. Oh, yeah. So yeah. the climate is changing, and this year is honestly no different from the past several years here in that it's getting weirder and weirder. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting how, you know, we moved we moved across the country 15 years ago, 16 years ago now, and, and just seeing, you know, for us, because we are newcomers, mm -hmm. you know, we didn't have a baseline. Right. Our first year was our baseline. Yeah. And every year, you know, has been so different. Um, and, you know, we've had a few wet years and a few years where I say people say it's normal, but so often people are like, this is not normal. And these are the people who lived here their entire life. You know, they grew right. up here. They, yeah. you know, they're talking about how we don't get nearly the rain that we used to get. And we don't get, you know, and the summers are really a lot warmer and drier than they've ever been. Right. Um, you know, especially when, uh, you're looking at some of the plants that people can plant here now that you wouldn't even thought of doing that 10 years ago. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, so that's the, you know, your olives are coming in now. People are planting olive trees and groves because they can yeah. grow them here now. Um, certain grapes that they couldn't grow before, now they can grow them. Yeah. Uh, or know? they're growing them, like with producing really good wines beyond Pinot uh, Noirs. Yeah, and which was, yeah was exactly. Pinot was the, the only wine grapes that you could reasonably produce here, and now 
local vintners are producing really nice. There's a variety of of wine grapes that are here now that we didn't have. So those are all cool things, but, um, you know, and I know like anything, you know, there change happens. It doesn't matter where it is. Change does happen, but it's amazing to me how fast it's happening. You know, our lifetime, we've seen this. I mean, that's, that's 50 years when we've seen a massive amount of change. Yeah. One of the things I've been wondering lately is there was a little ice age in Europe in the middle ages. Yeah, and I, mean, I wonder if that I wonder if this is how it felt to them that you know are we walking into another ice age type of situation or something similar maybe it'll be a desert age instead of ice age but you know whatever whatever people in a thousand years call it I'm wondering if this is what it felt like is they were watching their environment change and they every year you expect it to go back to what it was but it doesn't and it's a little bit, I don't know, off-putting. <laughs> I don't know what to do here, you know? Well, yeah. It's uh, strange. I don't know either. I mean, people think that we can technologically take ourselves out of it, you know, with carbon scrubbers and all these things. There's lots of companies that are coming up with these things to help mitigate this. But we'll see. I mean, it, this is a tough one. It's a, yeah. uh, It has to happen by the will of all people and not just individuals because this is a yeah. – a bigger thing. This is a than, global change. This is a global thing that we're all dealing with, you know. And it, and it is debatable. It could be that this change would be happening, perhaps not at the rate or precisely now, but it would happen anyway. Who it knows? is possible, but you know, yeah. I, I mean, if you look at the the, and you've seen them. You look at the charts over over from the industrial age to now, right? And, and as the carbon has gone up in the atmosphere, so is the temperature. It's almost right. hand in hand, and my biggest concern is that um, the biggest heat sink that we have is the oceans and they're getting too hot. And if that starts to happen, yeah. then, you know, we depend on them. Even if you're in the middle of the middle of the country, you depend on an ocean. Yeah. So, yeah. But, you know, anyway, I mean, that's a, it's just been a really weird summer weather wise for around the country with, with massive droughts, water, like you said, too much water in some areas, not enough in, in other areas, and uh, you know, not where you you can even say it's been it's been a really cold summer here. No, it's been a really bloody hot summer. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and the forest fires are, you know, they're bigger this year than they were last year. They don't affect in us. our area yeah. on our coast. Well, yeah. on our coast, yeah, yeah, they they don't they don't this year so far they haven't directly affected you and I. Sure, um, but, but they're here. They're and, here, and, and, and they're just they're just in different spots. Yeah. I mean. So, um, but you know, that's all going to, and, and what interesting thing is they're affecting the rest of the country now. So if you're listening to this now, you probably have a smoky sky and haze yeah. from fires in Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, cause it's already reached, it's all the way over to New York at this point. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, but yeah, uh, you know, we're back and in our last show was, um, was we were talking with Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Rebecca yeah. Ingalls, and and we were talking about uh, community gardens. Yeah, and uh, it was kind of fun listening to her. She was so excited, and how she she fell into it, and and how it moved her, and what she's doing now out there. Yeah, she's she's really wonderfully active. She's inspiring, really, when it comes down to thinking about how to garden, and you know, even planting and taking care of the simple plants like the chives. I mean, you know, I've got. A little ball of chives or a little clump, I should say, of chives in two different corners in my garden, in my little raised bed herb garden. And I look at them with appreciation 
for how simple they are. And, you know, they're very culinary. But, you know, like Rebecca said, they're a wonderful step into herbs and herbalism. And I remember when I was a child, that was one of the early herbs that my mom grew in her garden when she started looking at, she had a little mini herb garden and, you know, she started looking at the idea of herbs and got a couple of books that she read a little bit about. She didn't go very far with it, but she grew some culinary herbs and chives were among them. And it makes me smile. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's amazing how many different uh, uh, varieties of chives there are. Onion chives, garlic chives, um, you yeah. know. Yeah. It, it added a little bit of flair to whatever you're cooking. I always yeah. enjoy that. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the medicinal properties of chives are, but I do know what the, I like them on my mashed potato oh. or on my potatoes. Chives are in the onion family, and they have the same types so of alum, the alum. Yeah, they have the same types of properties that onions and garlics do. Oh, so it's good so, for flus and colds. And- yeah, exactly. Good for fun, good 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 for killing off germs ah. and fighting back any funguses and or you know fungal issues mm-hmm. and you know generally good for helping um positively support your immune system give it some energy mm-hmm. which is you know what we all need right now i guess i mean reality is that a lot of the garden herbs culinary herbs that we grow are all about generally supporting your immune system and your digestive system that's the two primary things for all of them oregano rosemary sage thyme chives um, yeah they leaf they're very you know powerful in their own right um you know everyone kind of thinks oh you just go to the market and buy a you know the shillings or whatever but mm-hmm. fact of the matter is i mean that you know you put those start putting those things together and you get your of course you get your four, you know, four thieves and yeah. you get all these things and the the um, properties that rosemary has it's just so much more than than making a, a pork roast taste good or whatever right. it is, you know? Yeah, and a lot of the reasons that we use them in the foods that we do as we do is because they're good for aiding your digestion and building your immune system, fighting off whatever crud might be in your area. Mm-hmm. So we have them because they're medicinal. And yeah, they're foods, but they're also medicinal. And it's important to realize that all of your food is your medicine as well. And if you want to stay healthy, eating a good healthy diet with lots of fresh herbs as a part of it is helpful. We're excited to announce that Be Real Botanicals is opening here at the Real Herb Market. Brenda Bigelow makes the most luxurious and luscious botanical skin and body care blends. Just holding one in your hand feels like true wealth. We know you're going to love the way Be Real Botanicals herbal beauty products unleash the gorgeous star within. Find them at therealermarket.com slash shop slash www-berealbotanicals.com. When you were saying that, the first thing I had in my mind was these people that, that eat um, lots of processed food, lots of junk food, that, that, uh-huh. has, that has none of those things in it. Yeah. You know, none of those extras, none of those, those yeah. you know, and I was like, yeah, no wonder why, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, when we were young, we were, you know, first in our, tw- we were in our 20s. And we didn't have a lot of cash to work with. And a lot of that cash had to go to the beer fund. You know, let's be honest. We used to, we, we ate a lot of not very fresh, very highly processed foods. I mean, sure we, we just did. did. And we lived in a climate where majority of the year it was hard to get fresh vegetables. I mean, you could go to the grocery store and get, you know, your basics. But those had been trucked up from, Whatever. you know, across yeah. the country. So it wasn't really great 
even when you tried to eat fresh foods, but we didn't even try, you know, and we had robust immune systems and we like to blame the, the, you know, industry and the weather and all of that for why we weren't eating well, but we weren't eating well because we were just young and foolish. Many young people do this. Well, and we yes, weren't, yes, that whole idea wasn't even passed down to us. No, I mean, it hadn't you know, been. Our, our parents were like eschewing all of the, the wisdom that their parents had, you know, the yeah. you know, depression parents and turn of the century parents where, you know, the farming, the canning, the, the, all of the natural things that they were doing, you know, was just being like completely like, no, we don't do that. Yeah. It was like the whole baby boom generation rejected anything really natural and went all for the processed. Somebody Kinda else, that way, somebody yeah. else did it for you. Right. You know, commercial. So there yeah. was no, you didn't have to learn that skill set or even know that. So you like in the summer when, you know, in that area in the summer, you could grow herbs, you could grow all that oh, stuff. Yeah. You could dry yeah. herbs, you could, you could, you could put them in vinegar, you could do all these things right. that helped you preserve that because that's what you did when the weather was good. Yeah. But yeah. by the time that we came through there, if you will. Yeah. When we were growing up. No one was doing that. Less so. I mean, my, my mom did have her little herb garden and she dried some herbs and she, you know, did a little bit incredibly small scale, not even quite enough to really keep our family in herbs and all of that. But, you know, it was hobby. It was fun. She figured it out a little bit, but she could have done so much more. Well, what's interesting you know? is that. You and know, she was the oddball in our generation, you know, of her generation. Even, even my grandparents, they had a huge garden. Mm-hmm. Did not have any culinary herbs in that garden. Right. Yeah. None. They 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 lost that. The idea Zero. of food was like yeah. They they, you know. they lost the art of the herb half of keeping yeah, a good I mean, diet. And I was thinking about this too because my mom likes to cook or liked to cook a lot and you know she but mm-hmm. I always remember she would always give her seasonings but they were always dry and they're always out of the container and you know we could have easily in our where we lived grown herbs. We had oh, the yeah. ability, but oh, yeah. but I didn't know about it. My mom, no one, no one. Yeah, who knows? It's interesting. Yeah, you know. I mean, I know. You know, you and I talked about what we were going to talk about the show, and we kind of moved on to this whole different angle <laughs> of it. But it's interesting to talk about that uh, that idea of of you know bringing back around to Rebecca and the community gardens and talking about herbs and you know that being the the garden is centered around herbs. And yeah. so often community gardens might be a rose garden, might be something other the like flowers, flowers or something or pretty you know, yeah. or they're something food, food, food related, related like, right? you know, the standard crops, yes. you know, potatoes and corn and, and tomatoes yeah, and exactly. green beans. But and, not about, yeah. not around um, the herbs. And I think that was, that's what really made her community garden interesting was that it was uh, specifically um, around herbs. Yeah. And I think that, it, that, and that's also attracted a lot of specific people to them. Yeah. You know, um, but that's the interesting part is it's just, they're so easy to grow. I mean, geez, we don't even take care of really good care of our herbs. (laughs) They do really well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My haphazard gardening skills are really lovely. They're happy with me. I've got volunteer oregano, volunteer um, thyme, volunteer, you know, okay, hey, look at you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We made spaghetti the other night. I'm like, I walked out. I'm like, hey, I didn't see you little oregano plant. Look at you. Snip, snip, snip. <laughs> and honestly, the snip, snip, snip that makes them happy. It makes them more robust. It causes them to grow stronger and healthier. So, oh, absolutely, absolutely. And and I love the I love you know I love almost uh, reading a recipe and and it, it'll say you know this much organic or, like or a, oregano, a corner quarter teaspoon, teaspoon of oregano. And we're like okay, ten times that. Yeah, and I'm like <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And that's dried. Yeah, 
how could this even taste good? Tablespoon, right? So <laughs> I, I go and I have like two, three, four sprigs, bring it in, you know, strip them down, top, 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 and have all this just really beautiful Handful, mound yeah. of, of herbs that, yeah. of all the when I make all that stuff and you make it too, I, I never go, I never go to you and say, you know, there might be too much oregano in here. No, <laughs> it doesn't really happen. However, yeah. though, if you overdo dry oregano. Yeah, you really you notice because dry oregano has more of a bitter flavor to it. Bitter flavor it to comes it. out. Yeah, because yeah. all the yeah, it's interesting. The volatile no oils. Or yeah. yeah, well, the volatile oils have started to evaporate out some, uh -huh. and the bitterness gets more concentrated as it dries. Yeah, it's interesting. So, so yeah. yeah, so if your recipe calls for dried, you know what? Go find fresh if and, you can. And, if you can, yeah. and, and you know, I mean, I know you can go to the grocery and you can buy the. The fresh herbs in, right. in the plastic packs. I, the fresh herbs in the plastic packs. It costs like four bucks for one of those little packs. And, and the only time I've and ever. And you need two of them yeah, to make one right. meal. And the only time oh, I've ever done that is when I, it's an herb that we don't have and I can't find it. Right. And that, that's what Like I dill tops. For like some reason, the, we have yeah. such a hard time getting dill to grow in oh, our garden. Right. Dill is so easy. You would think so, but yeah, no. I always have a hard time with that one. It does not want to grow for me very well. I know, and it, and it that was one of my favorite herbs because of I know some of the, you know, the dill pickling that you can do and, and dill and the sauerkraut is so good. Oh yeah, no, oh it's God. a great, it's a great. You um, need dill. I wonder. What, oh, I wonder what I said. Well, I'm sure I could find this out. I mean, there's some uh, interesting medicinal properties with dill that that make it such a dill is a, a carminative herb, so it helps the um, it helps your digestion move along. It helps to trigger peristalsis in a healthy way. So peristalsis is the movement of your food through your gut or mm -hmm. waste matter through your gut. Right. And it's done by a series of small contractions. And it's kind of like a coordinated small contractions. Mm -hmm. And dill helps to trigger that and smooth it so that it's, you know, you don't get the cramping or oh. anything like that. And it also helps to prevent gassiness. That's why it's used in colic formulas a lot for small children and babies um, because it, by triggering and supporting peristalsis with carminative herbs like dill, you keep the um, the digestive, you keep everything that's in there moving along. And if you keep it moving along, it doesn't have time to stop and begin to create gases through the fermentation, mm -hmm. as it were, in your gut. So okay. I don't know if it's actually fermentation that happens. I heard somebody once a while, long while ago, describe it as that, but... When your digestion's not moving fast enough, you'll start to get gassiness. Yeah, no, I think that I think I think that is I think that's the proper term for it. Mm -hmm. I, you know, it, it's you know the sugars and stuff that yeah, yeah. it does. That's what happened. Yeah, I think that's the right term. Um, so but, that's yeah, that's why we have dill in things. It's part of why we like to include it, and it also has a certain amount of antibacterial and antimicrobial and antifungal properties as well. But I always would you say that I, I keep waiting. Okay, oh, it's going to be this one. This one. Uh, is it all three of them? The three. Is it all three? The three. I didn't say antiviral. No, you didn't. So there, there could be four. The only one I know of that seems to have antiviral properties is thyme. I'm not sure. The last time I looked up that information was quite a few years ago, and there was one study that I think I remember finding. I was looking specifically for what herbs are actually antiviral because it's not easy to be antiviral. I mean, right. as you know, if you've got a virus and you go to the doctor and say, hey, doc, I've got this virus. Can you give me an antibiotic? They'll say, yeah, no, nothing works. You just got to wait 
Wait it out. Wait it out. We can treat your symptoms, but we can't kill the virus. Your body has to do that. So there are not that many herbs or plants that actually can kill viruses, but time had shown some effectivity on that. Oh, I, I, I did not know that. Yeah, that's why whenever you have a illness and I give you that horrifyingly bad cough syrupy stuff <laughs> that I try to lace with as much honey or sugar as possible to cover up the fact that it tastes awful, oftentimes you'll notice a healthy dose of thyme in there. Yeah, I, I, I do know I, I do notice the flavor. Yeah. I usually make thyme um, tincture mm -hmm. and I try to make like a quart of it, <laughs> you know, a large portion of it. Right. Because it's a very versatile and highly medicinal herb when you concentrate it like that. And then when you put it in your food, you're helping just stave off and protect. So it's part of why we use thyme in our cooking as well as in our medicinal cabinet. Some of our culinary herbs are really strongly medicinal, especially when you concentrate them. Oh, yeah. Rosemary, right. oregano, thyme, all three of those, sage. It's another one that's really strongly medicinal when you concentrate it. Yeah, we're not talking pulling constituents. We're just saying the, the parts per million. Yeah, own, turning it yeah. into a tincture, yeah. essentially, like right. something like that or a vinegar. Right. Either of those concentrates it because you're using a lot of plant material in what is actually a relatively small amount of liquid. And then as the liquid soaks it up, it's kind of like when you mix as much sugar as you possibly can in that lemonade to get it to taste decent to the point where you can't dissolve any more sugar into it and saturated. Mm -hmm. That's what you're aiming to do with the tincture. You're getting the liquid to take on all as many properties as possible from your thyme, for instance, or sage. And some of them, like sage is one of those ones that has really strong medicinal properties to it all on its own. So there's a friend of mine a few years back, and she had been fighting off a cold and the people around her, kids and everybody else was, you know, had this cold that was, you know, starting to hit them. And she was like, I can't get sick. I just can't. I, I can't do this right now. I've, you know, I don't have time for this. And she had a wonderful sage plant, just culinary sage, common sage. There wasn't anything special about it out in her garden. And I was, I told her, well, you know, go out, pick a single leaf of sage, come in, make a, get a, you know, boil, boil the kettle, put it in your mug, put a cover, put the sage leaf in the bottom of the mug, cover it with water. You're aiming for about eight ounces or a cup. Um, I don't remember. I think that's, if I remember right, that's 250 milliliters. It's either 250 or 500. Mm -hmm. I always get that, but whatever, you know, just that small amount cover, put a, uh, cover over it, like a uh, saucer oh. on top of it. Let it stand for about 10 minutes or so, and then drink it. You don't have to eat the sage leaf at the end if you want, don't want to, but it's not going to hurt you. In fact, it'll probably help you to do so. And that usually will help stave off. If it is truly just the common cold, it'll often stave that off. And she did that and she was like, wow, this is brilliant. <laughs> and I said, you know, once or twice a day, but all you need is one leaf. One leaf will do it because it's so strong. Right. And, you know, it's not like she had special sage. <laughs> Special sage. You know. <laughs> okay. Special sage. All right. <laughs> so, yes, I, in terms of like climate change, and as we're watching the climate change and we're watching things happening around us in our environment that are beyond our control, one of the things I've been thinking about is how, as herbalists, 
it makes a lot of sense for us to be, yes, aware of our local herbs and use those as much as possible, but also be aware of the herbs that extend into the climates our climate is becoming. Right. Like the vintners looking at different grapes or the yeah. you know, people like that. What, you know, if you can't grow a, a, a mild uh, based like herb, like let's say parsley. Right. You know, you can't grow that anymore because it's just going to dry out or you can only grow it right. at a certain time of year. Right. Right. Uh, you know, that maybe you, like you said, you have to find the other ones that are other herbs that are more conducive to your new changing environment. Yeah, we have in in herbalism, I've seen a lot of like we have fads, essentially. There's the only local, get to know your own plants, right. natives only for, you know, that fad. Mm -hmm. And that'll gain strength and be a big, you know, strong thing for a while. And then it'll slowly be replaced by the, oh, look at this, you know, big tradition herb, like Ayurvedic herbs. Oh, everybody's got to have... Go, go to, to cola. cola. <laughs> you know, that's the new miracle herb. And it doesn't matter if you don't live in a tropical or subtropical environment where it can grow. You've got to get your hands on it. And, you know, oh, everybody's got to have turmeric, even though turmeric doesn't grow in many of our areas. And right. So we go, and then, you know, that fad will be the center stage for a while. And then the local native stuff will come back and. And the local native stuff is all about, well, you know, you shouldn't be your carbon footprint and, you know, you should be taking care of your own and not having it go you know, far away and where you live, the herbs that are around you are the ones that will take care of you. And then you go back to the, you know, big traditions like Ayurveda or Chinese medicine or, you know, whatever, traditional Western medicine, any of those, you know, big ones. And, oh, well, those herbs are great. They do, they do all these things. You don't, you know, if you know your constitution, then you'll mm -hmm. pick the right ones and they don't have to be local. And, and I'm looking at the climate and saying, well, maybe it's wise to kind of look at both and know both because what's growing here now may not be growing here in 10 years, you know? Right. So being, having a good awareness of what grows when and where and, you know, not just focusing only on the locals that you've traditionally used, but also looking beyond that, not just focusing on stuff that can be carted across the world because that does increase car carbon footprint, but also being aware of what is growing now in your area, what could grow in your area next year, you know. Yeah, it is. A, yeah, keep a weather eye almost on it to see how – you know, it's kind of like interesting because it's like year to year you don't feel the change, but over a period of time you feel yeah. the change. Yeah. You know, um, so. Yeah, is. when we moved out to the Pacific Northwest, it was described by local people as sort of like a rainforest in that we had that level of rain. And in the winter you were supposed to have like a month of rain where every day there was at least misty rain and they had different descriptions you know the mm -hmm. down rain the sideways rain the and all kinds of different descriptions just like people from far arctic regions have a thousand different ways of describing the snow right i mean that was how it was here and now 15 years later i can say i don't remember the last time we had an actual month of rain like that yeah it's been a while that we actually had a yeah. solid month of every day you get up and it's raining and you mm. i mean it's just death. Like the weather really doesn't change. It's constant cloud rain. I mean, now it's 
I remember moving here, people talked about taking sun breaks. When the sun would pop out, everyone would leave the office and right. the sun. And here now, it's like, well, we'll go. You don't need them. A week or two in February, we have this amazing sunshine. And yeah. almost like a an Indian summer in February, a lot of times, it's like our, 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 our prelude to our spring. Um, and I noticed, you know, the rains have stopped earlier. You know, they even, yeah. they used to go deep into April, solid, you know, into April. And then May would start to break that pattern would break up but that's when you, and then you have all these plants and produce coming in yeah um and june was that that change over month but man it's just not i mean like this year we had 90 degrees is um days in at the end of april we had really hot weather yeah we really, had strangely really, hot really weather early. yeah um it just yeah i mean it doesn't give the native plants the ability to replenish themselves no it's hard on the native plants because they adapted or they evolved in a certain with certain expectations that are not currently being met right. shall and we say how long did it take them to evolve for those those current expectations and then now they're not there yeah and, and they're not there you know they're going to move quickly on their own too or they'll just leave yeah which is you know what you see which is again more of the climate migration whether it's plants yeah. or flora and fauna or it's people i mean people are doing that too yeah you know? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, this is, uh, I'll be interested to see how this how the fall plays out. I mean, last year we were uh, we were sorely disappointed with the level of moisture uh, in the in the woods and the fact that when you and I went mushrooming mid October, mushrooming has always is typically historically been, you know, the forest at this point's wet, it's moist, it's foggy. You go out there and it's like this yeah, this whole feeling. It was dry. It was warm. You barely find the mushrooms. I mean, yeah. you barely find mushrooms. Yeah, it wasn't a great mushrooming season that. Last year. And we haven't, you know, year after year, we have not had good mushrooming seasons. And the smoke and the fires certainly didn't help oh, last no. year. I'm they hoping didn't. for better this year, but yeah. we'll see. Yeah, I mean, that's all we can do is hope because I don't think I'm moving right now. So, No, probably not. Yeah. If anything, I might go further west to the coast. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, but anyway. All right. Well, with that, put, put a herb on it. it. The statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA. They're not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. Always consult with healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication, or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem. Any testimonials, questions, or case studies are based on individual results and do not constitute a guarantee that you will achieve the same results.